Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We're in Matthew chapter 8. We're going to begin in verse 23. Prepare to observe a demonstration of Jesus's lordship over all of creation. It's all his. You wouldn't guess it by watching him walk past. He would stay in rented spaces and, you know, couch, uh, like <laughs> couch surf at friends' houses while he was ministering. He seemed to have no place to lay his head, no place to call his own, but he is the son of man. It's all his. He's the Lord over all. Here's Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. As he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly a violent storm arose on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but Jesus kept sleeping. So the disciples came and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to die. He said to them, Why are you afraid, you of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Even the winds and the sea obey him. It's a profound story. And I think that it's also an example that happens, you know, in the microcosm of our own moments of great fear. None of the things that rock our boats even wake Jesus up from a nap. <laughs> He's never overwhelmed by anything. He's the God who overwhelms. So he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and then a, a suddenly a violent storm arose on the sea. The, the text says suddenly in the first word of verse 24, but none of this is outside of the realm of God's sovereignty. As Jesus got onto the boat in verse 23, he knew the storm was coming in verse 24. Suddenly, but not without Jesus knowing about it, a violent storm arose on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. These, uh, these, these waves were immense. It was overcoming the boat. It seemed beyond the capacity of the vessel to be able to withstand. But none of that matters because of the Lord, the Lord of the waves, the Lord over the water. The living water himself was on board. He was on the manifest. Right? And, and he commands the wind and the waves. The fact that Jesus would say to them, or he'd ask them the question, why are you afraid? You have little faith. And then verse 26, then he got up. I mean, he asked this question while he's lying down. <laughs> what, like, why are you afraid? You have little faith. While he's lying there. And then he got up. And then he rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was great calm. So he's Lord over the elements. But note this as we cross-reference this moment with the book of Job. The devil is also given the keys to the elements from time to time. Not 100% then of all natural disasters are done at the behest of God. They're done at the behest of Satan. Yeah, but Jesse, things that are done at the behest of Satan are done with the permission of God. Yes, and even those are used to bring about good that would not have otherwise come about. Poor Satan. All he can do is what God lets him do. And then even when God lets him do something, God brings about something beautiful and good from what he did. In the book of Job, the devil is given the keys and he's given parameters. They're pretty, like, they're pretty extensive parameters. And then he goes back and asks for more. Uh, he's never, it's never going to be enough for him. 
He, he goes back to God multiple times to ask for extended parameters and to the point that he's eventually allowed to even lay a hand on Job himself. So one of the first acts that Satan does when he's given the keys to the elements in the book of Job, which I believe is a microcosm of all of our lives and experiences and temptations, is that these whirlwinds, these tornadoes, these natural disasters destroy a house where Job's kids are together. They're eating and they're drinking and they're, they're, they're having a party and then they're just gone. Remember this, while Jesus is Lord over the elements, not 100% of natural disasters are carried out at the behest of God's exact decreed will. They're allowed by God within God's overall redemptive plan, but they're the work of Satan. It's the scandal of the millennia that God will be blamed for what the devil did. Ultimately, God is the sovereign one, is the one who is responsible, and that's good because look at how the story ends. It ends with beautiful perfection forevermore. So we know that God redeems absolutely everything and anything, but don't blame God for what the devil did. This would be sinful. See, in the book of Job, Job did not sin. He did not accuse God of wrongdoing. Jesus was Lord over the wind, over the waves. The guys on the boat were convinced, this is it. They even say, Lord, save us. We're going to die at the end of verse 25. From their perspective, it's all over. Jesus is snoozing in the cabin below deck. Like he, he's having a nice nap. They are freaking out fearing for their lives. They think that they're in mortal danger, but they're not. And then Jesus's rebuke is that they have little faith. Why are you afraid? You have little faith. And so he gets up and then his rebuke goes toward the winds and the sea, and then there's great calm. And they ask, the, the men respond in their amazement, what kind of man is this? Indeed, he is fully God and fully man. The substance of Christ is evidenced in this story because he is Lord even the winds and the sea obey him. Remember that Jesus would walk on water, further demonstrating his lordship over all of it. He is Lord, period. All of this was created through him. There's not a single thing that was created that was not created through Jesus. It is all ultimately his. Even the wood composing the cross on which he would be crucified was his. The mountain that he'd be crucified on was his. The stone jars filled with water that he would turn into wine, his. Remember, man, Jesus didn't just show up in what we call year zero on the Gregorian calendar to hear that something predates Christ. Have you heard this? This is often a tactic used within academia to try to make you feel like Christianity is a, a relatively new invention. If something, was, something happened before Jesus was born, then somehow for that reason it's more authoritative historically. You know what else happened before Jesus was born? The entire Old Testament going back to the origins of the universe itself. All right, Our worldview comprises the very beginning of creation. And when we see creation start, we see God create the heavens and the earth. There's nothing before that. That's where we arguably begin time itself. There's this beautiful picture of the Spirit of God in Genesis 1 hovering over the surface of the waters. Jesus and water go way back, all right? He's Lord. It's his water. All of it's his. He has the ability to command it to shush. He's already, he was there when God made this promise in the days of Noah. 
as the light would move from one side of the horizon over to the other, painted on a canvas of suspended water vapor in the colors of red and orange and yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet, the symbol of his covenant never to flood the earth again. It's his water. He's Lord over all of it. Remember to whom you're speaking when you ask God for deliverance. He's not panicking. We are. He's Lord. We are not. This is a beautiful picture of deliverance from trouble. It's only trouble for us. Nothing overwhelms him. Would you go to him and ask for such deliverance as this?